You're listening to The Jill Monaco Show, episode number 10. Welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. to Abby Stumball. Abby is an inspiring speaker and coach. She also teaches at Bethel School of Ministry and travels the world sharing her story. Abby's teaching resonates with me because it centers around God's love. Since the goal of this podcast is to inspire you to love well, I couldn't wait to have a conversation with her so you could hear her story. When she was a young girl, she had so much self-hatred that she wished she would die. As you listen to her story today, you'll learn how she was wrecked by the love of God. Now Abby travels and teaches others how to encounter unconditional love, be true to yourself, and experience abundant life. My prayer is that you'll find that today too. So, have you ever felt like you just needed to be better, you don't feel like you fit in, you're not enough, or that you're always failing? I promise you, you'll be set free after listening to Abby and my conversation today. So without any further ado, let's get to the conversation with Abby. Abby, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to do this with you. I'm excited for you to do it too. So I have, uh, you know, actually this morning I was checking out my Instagram stories, which is like a new fun thing for me. Yeah. I... Like I'm stalking people and really having fun. <laughs> That's, yeah. Now we can Christian stalk for the Lord, though. Oh, of course. It's totally for Jesus because yes. I can know how to pray for you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> for instance, I know you worked out with a personal trainer this morning and uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> just yeah. praying for your muscles. <laughs> yes. And don't make me sound good. This is the first time I've ever done that. So it's oh, like, really? Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm documenting this because it may be the first and last, but we got to know it happened. <laughs> so what made you decide to get a trainer? Oh, well, okay. Really, this is the truth. I'm just incredibly cheap. And um, there's this gym that uh, we have here, and I don't even know how this happened, but it's $8 a month and you get unlimited personal training sessions what? for $8 a month. I know it's just insane. And so normally I have a friend, here's what I've learned about working out. I cannot do it on my own. Like I have all great intentions and then it gets to the day and I'm like, Oh, just sleeping sounds so much better. And so (laughs) I've had to have, I have friends come over to my house to force me to get out of bed to work out. But, um, the people I normally work out are in Africa for a month. So I was like, what am I going to do? I can pay $8. That's what I can yeah. do. So nice. I tried it, and we'll see how it goes. But I tried <laughs> a awesome. stick shift, and I was legitimately concerned that I wouldn't make it home because my legs were such mush that I was like, oh I'm going to flip out of gear because my foot <laughs> will fail me. I prayed a lot. And- that is awesome. And, you know, for people who don't drive stick shift, they don't really get it. Like, no. I... I learned on a stick shift, so oh. I thought I was I thought I was going to die many times. Um, <laughs> it was my dad's tough love. Like right? one t- like one time he got out of the car because he was so frustrated. He's like, "I'm going to walk home. You figure it out." Oh, no. <laughs> 
it's like sink or swim. You have to learn now. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's just around the corner from home, but um, I figured it out. <laughs> right. When you have to, you do. True. And now for the rest well, of your life, you're a stick driver. You'll be fine. I I am. I, I have a special skill. <laughs> yep. Special skill. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's so fun to talk to someone that I, I've only known through social media because I could just ask you all kinds of questions from the things that you post. But um, <laughs> I'm a fan of your hair and Aww. the different colors yep. that you do. Yeah. Different um, color every couple months. Yeah. It's awesome. I've had the same color pretty much my whole life. Um, <laughs> you know, it was real for a while. <laughs> now it's, <laughs> it's got some help. Um, but, um, you know, in watching you and um, watching God just use your ministry, I've just been so drawn to the things that you talk about because it's all rooted in love. And mm. it just sounds so cliche, you know, right. as Christians be like, oh, we have to love each other and, you know, love God. But th- you have like um, a story that I can't wait for my listeners to hear because love wasn't just something you thought came naturally to love yourself. Oh, no. So, you know, tell us what it was like growing up. I I read something that you said at seven years old, you remember you wanted to die. What brought you to that point? Yeah, well, actually, so I grew up and my parents wanted a bunch of kids and they um, tried and tried and tried. I think they tried for like 14 years and my mom had three hard miscarriages. One, she almost Mm -hmm. died in. Um, and was in the hospital for a while, I was the miracle child. And when I was older, like when I was around seven, I started praying, like, I want a brother or sister. And my mom got pregnant, which was really exciting for me. And then she ended up miscarrying. And Mm. um, it was actually a very innocent thought. The way it first came to me was like, if I could be in heaven with my brothers and sisters, that would be so much fun. You know, like Mm. I wish I was there with them and just kind of how thoughts can tumble into things. It ended up like eventually becoming, um, it would be better to be there than it is to be Mm. here. My mom ended up, uh, I think that miscarriage and several other things happening in her life, it was a culmination. There had been probably a mountain of things building. And just at that point, everything kind of exploded. And so she went into depression and really has never pulled out since then. Aww. And maybe actually had it before then. I couldn't actually tell you because I was too young to know. But um, yeah. for sure, from that point on, she was suicidal. I remember knowing that she wanted to die and thinking I have to figure out some way to cheer her up so that she doesn't kill herself. So I think Mm. around that, like, so death was around, it was, you know, like in the atmosphere, suicide was already there. And I think just Mm -hmm. that I had a lot of pressure. My, my mom was really, like I said, depressed. My dad, um, they had a lot of marriage problems. So both of them, like I was their whole world. I was like the one thing they both loved, which was a lot of pressure. I'm really thankful. Mm-hmm. I would rather be overloved than underloved any day. Me and yeah. me and my husband yeah. have opposite stories. Like my parents like loved me too much. They like overloved me and Justin's parents underloved him. And I'd still choose my childhood over that. But um, yeah. 
but it just was a lot of pressure. So it started just being like, oh, if I could just escape to be where there's safe people who love me, if I could just be in heaven, oh, it would have been easier if I was one of them. Why didn't God pick? Like, then it ended up becoming, I wish he would have picked one of them to live and not me because I can't do this. And it just grew from, I mean, it just grew exponentially to then where it was yeah. like, I want to die became probably my uh, coping mechanism. It was like an escape. Mm. Any, any trigger that I had, I thought I want to die. Uh, heaven, like I, I call it Christian suicidal. I'm like, heaven sounds great. Yeah. You know, like I grew up in a Christian house. I'm like, wait, in heaven, everybody's happy. You're fully loved. There's no pain. There's no sickness. There's no pressure. There's no fear. Like I would rather be there for sure. You know, so I don't think I ever, I think I grew up missing that value for life part. I think I just skipped over value for life. And I'm like, I have a lot of value uh, for heaven. Can we just fast forward to that? Can yeah. we make that happen ASAP? And and yet you had, like, you were hearing God's voice as a child. Like, mm-hmm. you had a relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people it's a very interesting thing that I grew up with because I've never not known him and I've always had a relationship with him. And then I had all this torment. I mean, it started with that and then it just grew. I didn't know how to process. I didn't, my mom's mentally ill. I did not know that um, Mm. as a kid. And so you just don't know how to process what's happening around you and what's going on. And then um, after that, I, when I was 12, I started my period, like most girls have to do, um, the dreaded, the dreaded day. And, um, my parents actually did a great job of celebrating it, but I ended up getting hormone problems that started when I was 12. And so they just amplified every emotion that was already under the surface. So Mm all of the self-hatred I already had, all of the shame, all the anxiety. So then when I was a teenager, I had just anxiety attacks, shame attacks. I would like literally scream, I hate myself uncontrollably, Mm -hmm. not like consciously. I wasn't even consciously thinking it. It would just come out. I was, I was drama, which is so, so funny. I like very low maintenance, but I was like always having emotional (laughs) turmoil, um, about Uh, something. And I just didn't know, I didn't have any skills to be able to handle all that was happening in the world around me while all that was happening in my body. And then teenagerness, I just think is hard (laughs) anyway. So it's not, it's not easy for anyone. We have, we've got that, that new hormones that we don't know how to manage. I I talked to my nieces about that um, when they were getting to that 12-year age. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I remember she said, well, you know, I'm just, I've got this going on, so I'm just emotional today. And I, I talked to her about the fruit of the spirit of self-control. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, you actually are not really a victim to that. You're actually empowered totally. to ask the Holy Spirit for help, give you that fruit, and control how you speak and how you respond to people. And I remember, I think her eyes got big, like, oh, I've never heard that. And I didn't know that. And oh, yeah. darn it, now I can't get away with it. <laughs> I liked my life when I just had to be grumpy because I felt it. Right. I only had to be a good kid for three weeks of totally. the month. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, 
<laughs> Leave I, it to me to just ruin someone's teenage years, you know. Just popped that bubble of yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I am really thankful. I've had to learn a lot with emotions, and it feels very helpful. Now I help people with emotions, and I'm like, I have a PhD in them. I have had all yeah. of them, and if I could figure out how to wrangle them in, then anybody can. It's kind of how I feel. Right. But the thing, exactly what you're talking about, self-control, the, the statement that helped me the most was, Emotions are like kids. You can't throw them in the trunk of your car, but you can't let them drive the car either. Oh, that's good. So I've like lived my life learning how to not bury things because actually if you bury emotions, they end up driving your car anyway. Like whatever you bury ends up taking over. But on the flip side, if you just let, if you just let whatever you feel dictate your life, you're going to be like drive. (laughs) You'll be running into people. You'll be killing people. You'll be driving off cliffs. Like your emotions aren't safe drivers either. Right. They're good at giving you information. Yes. They're just not, they're not always right about the story they tell. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So this shifted for you at a certain point. Um, So tell us about that. Yeah. Well, um, God is so kind. That's the beauty of relationship with him is that he's never content leaving us in torment. Like he really wants to get all that he paid for. And I like Mm -hmm. that about him. He never gives up on us and he's never like, oh, yeah, well, I'm glad you're a Christian. But now for the rest of your life, this will just be your struggle. Because I remember I remember pastors saying that, like, well, you just might always struggle with this. This just might always be hard for you. And I think that that is a very unhopeful gospel. So, yeah, and we never hear Jesus saying that to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, just enjoy the misery. Just keep yeah. keep pushing through. Nothing will change. <laughs> right. He, yeah. he never said that. Yep. So I think there's a couple of major life-defining things. Uh, one of them would be he really had to change my view of him. Um, there's a, the story in the Bible where the Jesus is talking about the he gives the parable of a master who gives one talent, two talents, and five talents um, to different people, and then leaves and comes back, and he's like, "What did you do with it?" And the person who had two talents and five talents talks about how they invested it and they give them back what they had. And the person who has one talent said, I knew you to be a harsh master reaping where you did not sow. And I was afraid. So I hid the talent. Here's the one that you have. And um, what I have learned was a lot. No, I don't even know how to quantify. I I wish I could give numbers like 60% of my torment was from this and 40, but Mm. I don't actually know. But a chunk of my torment was from how I saw God. Um, so yeah. even though I knew him my whole life, he was um, sometimes happy, sometimes not, you know, like kind of like a schizophrenic bipolar God, very easily disappointed, very serious, very frustrated, always thinking you should know better, always thinking you should have figured it all out by now, always having more that he's wanting from you. I just, I remember feeling not enough in my life and I kind of just, Sometimes we paint the emotion that we feel about ourselves onto what God feels about us. Yeah, and so I, agree. I felt not enough. And so I imagined that he felt that way about me. He feels like I'm not enough either. And so if you think that the creator of the world who made you is displeased with you, there's a level of torment you have to be in. 
Like you can never fully feel alive or fulfilled as long as you feel like you're disappointing the most important person in the universe. So that, that, that was a journey of like years and years and years where he was like, he told me, I don't need to talk about the gospel to people until it actually is good news for you. Until it actually is like, I actually really love you. You can see me smiling. Like the fruit of the spirit. I always think he's like, Abby, I never ask you like the fruit of the spirit isn't outside of my nature. Right. So if the fruit of my spirit is joy, then that means I have a lot of joy. And I was like, Oh, I, I don't ever, I never pictured God smiling when I was younger. Like it wasn't like he had this great sense of humor. Now I'm like, he is cracking jokes all the time. I'm like, and when I read the Bible, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's sarcasm through the whole Bible. He is funny. He has, I mean like, and he's constantly making jokes to me. Senses of humor originated in him. The Mm -hmm. Bible says laughter is medicine. And so it's like, we can't like have medicine that is outside the nature of God who's the healer. Right. Or the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Like that means joy is a one third of the kingdom. Yeah. I remember, I think it was in March, I was walking, I was in California and I was all walking along the ocean, just having some great time with the Lord. And I said, God, tell me something about you that I, you know, that I don't know. And, you know, I was just expecting some like wisdom or epiphany or like oh like all the angels sing you know totally. and what i heard and what i heard him say was i'm a whole lot more fun than you ah, and I, I, I was it. like i was like excuse me yes. um and then of course i was like you are so right like i that was his way of being like ribbing me to say have more fun like yes. I, I I have this for you and um and so the rest of this year I've been intentional about trying to do things that are fun That's and so good. Um, yeah and it's life has been better <laughs> yeah well it's like the funniest thing that we think we need to work hard to produce joy instead of like we become what we behold so all of the mm-hmm. fruit of the spirit. I spent my whole beginning childhood trying to become the perfect Christian. And that's yeah. part of why I was so tormenting because I had so many rules about what the perfect Christian looked like and didn't look like. And I was trying to just make myself into that instead of realizing, like, I always get a kick out of people who are like, don't pray for patience. Patience. If you pray that, you'll have the worst season of your life. <laughs> right. I've heard that too. Totally. And I'm like, that sounds miserable. Um, I don't want to pray for that. If that's the answer. But God's been like, no, right. no, no. If you want more patience, what you need to pray for is that you would see how patient I am with you. Like yeah. if you experience me like that, it will naturally come out of you like that. So any right. area. So when I had all this torment, it was because I was being like the God I saw. I was mm-hmm. reproducing I was reproducing anxiety because I saw a God that was serious and upset. Like there's no way mm-hmm. I can have peace until I see a God that is kind and loving and patient and compassionate. And right. in peace with me, like not at war with me. So um so that was a major part of just changing I had to change my whole relationship and really seeing God smiling. Like I spent pr- uh, probably a couple of years where every time I prayed, I would force myself to imagine him smiling because even just that. That's a good exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah as I coach people. Don't do that. 
Yeah. As I coach people, I I ask them to, you know, imagine where he is with you and what he would say to you. But just imagining his countenance in a way that is in agreement with who he is in the word, that his character is that. It's not our experience because our filter could be our parents or, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, just serious God. Um, And that that really can shift things. That's good. Yeah. Good tip. has been very beneficial. So seeing him happy, seeing him nice, seeing him involved, all those things. And one of, so that was one piece I, that helped change love. So I think love transforms everything because that's been my life story. And so experiencing the love of God changed a lot. And then a huge chunk of it was me learning how to love myself. And I remember when I was younger, I babysat for this woman. She was just perfect. I mean, in every way she was beautiful and stylish and had this gorgeous house and this gorgeous husband and great kids. And she was like everything every woman wanted to be. And I used to babysit for her and she hated the way she looked. Hmm. And I was like, we all want to be you. (laughs) Yeah. How do you hate yourself? And I remember growing up, I also, I was dyslexic and I never got diagnosed when I was younger. I had a lot of these problems. So I always grew up feeling like I was missing what everyone else had and I had no gifts and I had no talents. And so I remember thinking, okay, no one likes themselves. Like I'm looking around, she has everything that everybody wants and she's still not happy. God if you could teach me how to love myself, I wouldn't have to have gifts or talents. I wouldn't have to be good at anything. If you taught me how to love myself, people would just want to follow me. I wouldn't even have to evangelize. I wouldn't even have to preach. Like people would just be like, how did that happen? Cause that's so unusual in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that'd be the easiest way for me to not have to work is if I just learned how to love myself. So I began praying that God would teach me. And the crazy thing is I was 12 when I prayed that I would have had no idea. Like you don't really understand how big your prayers are when you're younger, but it's legitimately exactly what happened. I spent years learning how to love myself. I got better and better every year, learning new aspects of it, experiencing love on deeper levels. Um, And then I looked around and all of a sudden there were people following me because they wanted to know how to love themselves too. And then it just like, that's how everything happened. I told my story about how I loved myself because people were asking how it had happened. And then my life just blew up from there. It's just shocking that legitimately it happened exactly the way that I prayed, but I would have had no idea that that was a real thing. Yeah, I think that's when the Holy Spirit tells us how to pray. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? Yes. Like, yeah, I remember I've prayed some things. Well, sometimes I just think things. You know, they're right. not really prayers. They're just thoughts that yeah. I'm like, oh, that would be really cool. And then that happens. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even ask you for that. I just thought it, you know? Totally. So, Although I so sometimes good. think that those are prayers. I like yeah, because God is so with us. It's Emmanuel, God with us, that I think it'd be like having a conversation with a friend in the car. You may not specifically ask them for like, I would like you to buy me dinner, but you might say, oh, I'm kind of hungry. And they could still pick up on the request from it. I think that's, I often think that God uses our thoughts as parts of prayers for us. 
Yeah. And when you're in relationship, you're not always asking. Yeah. Right. Like if you think of your husband, you make rec- you're like you, you make a suggestion or you observe yes. something and he just picks up on the fact that you admired those shoes and then yes. goes and buys them for you. And sometimes it's more fun when you haven't asked because you feel known. Yes. Like when my husband does something that I never thought to ask for, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you love me so much. So <laughs> yeah. I think he loves picking up on the secret hints. I think so, too. That's yeah. sweet. Well, where did I heard this phrase that a lady came up to you and prayed over you and she said something to you. Uh, maybe I should let you tell it um, what you were born to do. Oh, yeah. Well, this is so funny because she actually didn't say anything. It was totally just I had a God moment. But oh, that's I, what it was. What happened was I when I was younger, I I was going to get a tattoo and I had been praying about it for forever. And God um, said, now everybody has different ideas about tattoos and I feel fine if other people feel like they're unbiblical. That's fine with me. Do you and I'll do me. So I'm not giving you permission to the whole world to get tattoos. You figured out with the Lord. But um, for me personally, that's always my <laughs> disclaimer. I'm like, I don't have a corporate opinion, just a personal one. Um, right. Jesus but, didn't talk about tattoos, unfortunately. So I know. Um, but I, when I was, I really felt like God told me to get abundant life written on my body because he said it was a promise that would never be removed from my life. And, um, that it would be a permanent reminder that anytime that I wasn't at abundant life, that that was still where we were headed. And I remember having like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And, and so the night before I went to get the tattoo, I had, um, this, I went up to my friend for prayer and I was, this is so funny. I was like, you know, sometimes I get angry during worship. I don't think that's (laughs) supposed to be the response we have. So will you just pray for me? And she, I thought it'd just be like a quick, like, dear God, help her not be angry. Amen. But it, she prayed for me and it turned into like a seven hour inner healing deliverance session where it was like this really deep all of a sudden I found myself like at somebody else's house and there was like five women walking me through stuff it was beautiful such good memories but what happened in that moment is I realized that was the moment that I realized I'm mad that God picked me to be born out of the four of us and mm. I didn't, I had never realized that I was angry at God about that. And, and as long as you are mad that you were born, you're going to have a hard time embracing abundant life. And yeah. so I just, I told him, I love how you can be really real with God. That's one of my favorite yeah. things. Like he's so, he likes honesty so much. And so I was just like, you have to give me a reason to live that's worth it. Because I thought my reason was to fix my parents because I was a miracle. I'm supposed to be a miracle for everybody I meet. I'm supposed to fix my parents' marriage. I'm supposed to make them happy. I'm supposed to fix the people around me. I'm supposed to get everybody saved. Like, that's what a miracle does. And I was like, I can't do that. You you sent me on earth and you set me up to fail. Hmm. You called me to this great purpose, but it's too big for me and I can't do any of it. And so I was like, you better give me a reason worth living or I'm done. Which I love threats with the Lord because it's like, I'm done with what? (laughs) they're so empty but it feels empowering in the moment so I (laughs) so I said that and the interesting thing is he didn't answer I didn't have some huge light bulb moment of like this is why you're alive Abby (laughs) 
it was, it, there wasn't even actually an answer. If I'm honest, there, I don't remember one thing that God said to me during that prayer time. What I remember mm-hmm. is I could feel though, that it was his grace pushing on the deepest lies so that they could be exposed so that truth could get in. Like I knew the grace mm-hmm. of God in that moment was just that I could see the pain that actually came up and call it for what it was. And that he just liked sitting in my presence with me being that real and that connected. Um, and I think sometimes it reminds me of zits. Like sometimes you have to <laughs> squeeze the pus out before you nice. can put something on top of it to fix it. And so yeah. I think like that was just a moment God let me squeeze the pus inside my heart out. Like it just stuff happened and it was beautiful because it was like letting go of my reason of wanting to be dead. I let it go. And then the next day got this marking that said abundant life. That was like, okay, this is, this is the turning point. I'm not going to choose wishing I was dead. There is hope for abundant life. And so two years later, I haven't even thought about that moment recently. I'm in California at a conference and I go up for an altar call for who knows what. And the woman um, who is, praying for me gets a word of knowledge about my mom having an affair when I was younger, which is the most random thing. Like I have never, and you always think like, Oh, I want a really cool word of knowledge. Like, what do you know about me? I'm like, that's the most random word of knowledge to get about somebody. And I'm sitting there. And so she walks me through forgiveness. I didn't even know that I had unforgiveness about it. I didn't even know it was in there. I didn't like it was shocking to me. But the interesting thing is when I found out my mom had an affair because everything in my life was so based around I'm not enough. My filter of that was my mom's affair proves that I'm not enough because if I would have been enough, she would have been content just being my mom and being in our family, which is not logical. Like it had nothing to do with me. But as but, kids, that's how we, we think everything's about us. Right. And the enemy loves to tell us what things mean, yes. you know, an event in our lives or even other people's behaviors. And he likes to let us know what he thinks that means, because then we're dis- we distance ourselves from each other and from God. Yeah. He's great at spinning stories. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I forgive my mom. And I just remember right after I forgive her, I just hear in my heart, the Lord say, you were born to be loved and to love. And it felt like all of the pressure just melted off. Like, I don't have to do anything great for the kingdom of God. I don't have to be any great person that changes everything. Like, I just have to get really good at receiving God's love and then responding back towards him with the love I've received and then giving that love mm-hmm. away to the people around me. And that felt like mm-hmm. I I can't fail at that. Like, if, yeah. before it's like, yeah. I need to save five people this week. I mean, I just had religion. It was so production based and, and number based. And it wasn't because I, it was just what I learned from churches. Like the goal is that you produce for the Lord. And I didn't understand that while he wants to use my life to change the world, that's not why he created me. He actually made me just to love me. 
He didn't make me so that I could save my neighbor. He didn't make me so that I could be a light in the darkness. He made me because he actually just had so much love. He wanted to get to love me. Right. And if you I know, when- never do anything, his purpose of getting to love me still gets to be fulfilled. Yeah. I've, I often say something that when I'm teaching on this kind of thing and I'll, and this is how God has put it into my brain to understand it and share it is that what comes to me is cultivated in me and is communicated through me. Totally. And so, so if I'm receiving from the Lord, if it's, if what, what comes to me is an agreement with him, that's what's cultivated in me. And that's what I give away. Yes. But if we're in agreement with the enemy's thoughts, then that's what is, you know, yeah. And that's what I become and think about myself and think about others. And so, and that's what you give away. So, so yeah, we are, yeah, we are just born to receive the love of God, love ourselves and, and love others. And it's, it's not that, you know, that churchy thing. It's, it really frees you from having to do anything and have yes. that, you know, checklist because when you think that way all the time, you just naturally respond to what's in front of you. Exactly. And I, the kingdom was meant to be so much more natural than I understood it. Like it you are so loved by God, the love changes you from the inside out. So you're not trying to produce something from the outside in. You're letting the yes. inside out show up. Yeah. It's good. It's a completely different. I mean, it's so much more. It was so liberating. It changed everything. And it changed my heart posture. And it really, I mean, it really challenged me. I'll tell you what, receiving love is so much harder than earning it. It feels Mm. so much more uncomfortable. I have had, I remember this woman when I was uh, probably like 18, God told her to give me her car for like a hundred bucks. And it was a, a nice car. Um, to, especially to me when I was that old and, um, but it was, it was so nice that it, having somebody give you something that you did not earn is, it can be painful. Like it literally felt painful. And as I began to go on this journey of receiving love, I would force myself like, Oh, if people compliment me, I have to receive that. Oh, if somebody wants to give me something, I have to receive that. Oh, like it was. It's actually now some people I think are maybe born a little bit more um, self-absorbed. And so that may not be their problem, learning how to receive. Their problem might be learning how to give. Um, That was just not my problem. So, but in the kingdom, it feels easier to control relationship with God, like to be able to be like, I earned your love. I deserve it because I did A, B, and C right. It's out of control Mm -hmm. to say, this isn't about what I do at all. It's just because you love me. Yeah. And I think because we don't have that modeled a lot in our yes. families or even in the world, we we grow up with, you know, when our brains are being formed, um, yeah. we grow up with these pathways of thinking. And I think I saw on your website that you recommend a book by Caroline Leaf. And mm-hmm. I talk about her once in a while. And it's really changing how you think. Mm-hmm. Um and, and yeah, so when we grow up with this performance, I need to earn things, um, then we actually end up demanding that of others, too. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's so messed up. It's, but that's, and that's the beauty of, I think it's like very cyclical. That's not a word. I, <laughs> um, maybe like a triangle. Like 
you feel like you have to perform, you demand others perform. So there's like this cycle of unlove Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. you allow yourself to be radically loved and then you have the capacity to radically love. And that's a cycle. And so the beautiful, like the sad thing is the cycle can spin you into the negative part. But the also beautiful thing is the cycle can spin you into, I get caught in love circles all the time. God loves me well. And then I love somebody else and then somebody loves me and I receive love. And then that makes me feel God's love. And it can just actually like, and then your life gets so great. Love is, it's so fascinating talking about the mind I've had to. So I've had lots of encounters with God or people where love became real, but then there's also this fact of just changing your mindsets, mm-hmm. which is the very practical part, like Caroline Leaf, like just actually changing the way that you think. And um, now I have no idea what I was going to say about that. <laughs> We're talking about love and love cycles and well, part no of it idea. is, I think what you're saying is part of it is that if we just receive love, it just becomes natural, really how we are, God made us. Totally. And there's another part that we take responsibility for our thoughts yes. and guarding our minds in Christ Jesus. And some of that's the Caroline Leaf stuff mm-hmm. where you train your your brain to have a new thought long enough that the old thought stops. Yes. It's so, tr- and, I mean, and that happened in my life. I remember... I had, well, we'll just tell this story since we've talked a lot about my suicidalness, but um, I remember I went to camp and had this like big emotional moment with God where I was crying and screaming and probably having a deliverance or something. And I thought, I'm going to walk away and I'll never be suicidal again. Like, that's what I thought. And so I walk, you know, I go back home and I feel the same thing. I want to die as much as I did Mm. before I went and I went to my pastor and he was like, oh, well, the, the root of it may be gone, but the habit of it is still there. So yeah, you're going to good. have to change the habit of it. And what I've seen in, in my life is it normally takes me about four years to completely renew my mind. About, now, I'm sure Caroline Leaf can figure out how to do it in like three months because she's just better at things than me. But um, yeah. but for me, it, for, for a thought that I have thought over and over and over again for my whole life. So I thought I want to die hundreds of times a day. So it took me. I started by just saying, no, I want to die. No, I want to die. No, I don't. I want to die. No, I don't. I want to live. I want to die. No, I don't. I, I really want to live. I want to die. Oh, that's not even me. I actually really do like living until it was a thought that didn't even like, I could see it pass by over my head, but it didn't even feel like me. But that took me like four years to now where it's totally fine. And I remember even with my husband, so I used to have breakdowns every time I got ready in the morning. Um, And one time my husband walked in we just gotten married and he was like, what's going on? You know, so dramatic when you walk in and your wife's crying. He's like, yeah. what is happening? I'm like, I'm ugly or, you know, whatever it was. And so he sat there and he made me just repeat truth after him. He said, the truth mm-hmm. is I'm beautiful. And I said, the truth is I'm beautiful. He, the truth is I love myself. The truth is I love it. And he just went through The truth is my shoulders are beautiful. My face is like, we just went through it. And mm. 
I never, now here's the thing. I didn't feel anything when he did that. I remember, I actually remember when he said, uh, repeat after me, the truth is I'm beautiful. I was like, no, and he was like, what? And I'm like, I mean, like, I was not happy to say it, didn't believe it, couldn't even get it out of my mouth. It probably took me five minutes to actually say it with real words. But, I never, ever struggled with it again. Wow. And that's the thing about truth. So sometimes truth is it takes four years to change a thought by the faithful application of the word over and over and over again. Like in Ephesians, mm-hmm. it says um, that Jesus loves, husbands love your wife, like Christ loved the church, washing her with the water of his word until she becomes the pure and spotless bride. So there's times when we just have to be wa- like, word over and over and over again, truth over and over again. And then there's other times where you agree with truth. You don't feel anything supernatural. You don't feel anything interesting happening, but truth actually really does work. Yeah. It sets us free. Right. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Like God's word is powerful. Yeah. And if we, if we agree with it and declare it over ourselves, even though, like you said, we don't uh, feel anything. I do that with clients when I walk them through forgiveness. Yes. And and you can declare you forgive someone, and I always say your heart will catch up later. Yes. But do you are you making a decision with your intention yes. and your mind sincerely? And sometimes they say, I don't want to do it, you know, and they have to go through their process. But I always say, let's just try it. You might end up waking up tomorrow feeling different. Totally. So what do you have to lose? Exactly. Yeah. Saying truth won't cost you anything. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It can only and, lead to good things. And I think sometimes the the because the enemy can't read our minds, he has to hear out loud, I do not agree with you anymore. Totally. This is the truth. This is what I agree with. And I think it might have been Caroline Leaf or or someone that talks about our brain learns in different ways and there is a certain area of your thoughts that only believes things that you say. Interesting. And so yeah, so declaring what you believe, I can tell you you're beautiful a million times, but when you say it, mm-hmm. your brain believes you. Oh, yeah. That is so. so true. And that's, I mean, we literally, me and my husband went after it. We got in front of the mirror. We started speaking truth over every part of our body because wow. one of the, I, because I'd had hormone problems, I was up one night with pain and God said, a house divided can't stand. And Mm -hmm. I instantly knew, like, he was like, you want to be free in your body. Like, you want sickness gone. You have been at war with yourself. You've been at war with your body. You've been at war with your personality. Like, the things you say to yourself, if you had a boss who said those things to you, you would never want to work for your boss. So you're the boss of your body. And you're surprised Mm -hmm. when it doesn't want to work with you. Yeah. And I remember... Yeah, you reminded me of a time I stood in front of a mirror and I had some health issue and it was going undiagnosed and I had put on a lot of weight in a short amount of time. Oh, yeah. And I remember I stood in front of the mirror and I said, what did you do to yourself? <laughs> and I was just so much self-hatred of who I'm like, who are you? You know, and um, and it's <laughs> I love that you're laughing because like so many of us so women normal. have done it. Yes. Yeah. And you're like and I heard myself say it and I was like, that's not even me. 
Like, oh, where is that coming from? And so um, shortly after that, I don't remember how God did it, but I remember having the thought that I was actually, my body was responding to what I thought of it. And so mm. I started laying my hands on my thighs and being like, you are strong and you get me around and I thank you. And I was like, <laughs> this yes. may be ridiculous, but I was like, cellulite, you know what? I'm not sure why you came, but you can go now. It's okay. Thanks for how you helped me. Whatever that was, but you can go now. I declared Muslim. I mean, I don't know if it really worked, but um, I didn't take before and after pictures. But it, I, I, um, that would be, wouldn't that be like a diet that would sell? Oh, that you know? would sell, yes. Um, but harder to do. Um, I, so I just started blessing myself and telling that. my body that I loved it. And I'm sorry that I spoke negatively over you and I just blessed myself yes. which you know in the privacy of your own home no one I was doing I was doing it it felt silly at first but it made that self-hatred you know and the changes that were happening in my body um you know just made it more manageable and put me back into faith and praise oh, instead yeah. of the opposite well I found that um I, I've had, I went on a medication a year ago and I gained 35 pounds in a short amount of time, like a couple months. Mm. So it, it, it I'm really, we're going to be out of control with our bodies the rest of our lives. We can work out, we can take care of things, but there's some things that just, you know, my skin's going to change. I, yeah. I get boiled yeah. sometimes. I'm going to have wrinkles. I like everything's going to happen. So I've kind of made this decision that I want to love my, my body unconditionally. I can't afford that. My body is the temple and it's the one thing that I have. It's the one thing I've been given authority over and I just can't afford mm -hmm. to dislike it because it just yeah. makes me miserable and it doesn't help my body and it doesn't help me. And I've found this amazing thing. This is like, I'm very like quantum in this. I really believe that what I love about me, I can convince you to love about me too. And not from, not like I need to tell you, but like I believe that we were given the power to co-create with God and Adam was given the power to label the animals, to name the animals. This mm -hmm. is what you will be called. And so I feel like our words have the power to label us. And so I'm like, I think that if I can love my hips, whatever size they are, I can convince you to love them too. And there's this, um, okay, so your heart, this is scientific. This is not me just making this up. Your heart can project okay. what it is feeling up to 15 feet. Really? I didn't know that fact. Yes. Um, and I don't remember if it's like the energetic, like how it pulses or I don't, I, I can't, it's in heart math. It's a book that is a scientific book about your heart. And I should probably know more about the quote if I'm going to use it, but, um, that's okay. but my, I I've seen this thing where like, if you get around there's certain people you get around and you're like, Oh my gosh, you just drive me crazy. But I don't even know you. Why do you drive me crazy? And I've noticed like, oh, that's, you're carrying rejection on you. And I'm just buying mm -hmm. into what you are carrying already. Yes. And um, this is an agreement you've probably made with a lie. And now it's presenting itself. And I could easily agree with that lie over you, which would then confirm it to you. But that's not actually truth. And so right. I've realized I really have the power to, um, I have the power to write love over myself. Like I'm going to love, 
I've realized God told me one time, you can go from a six to a 10 based on how you feel about yourself. And I've seen, this is like probably the, one of the most common testimonies I hear. I share about how I went through my body and I literally like, I'd have clients write love over their bodies. Cause I, I coach people too. And I'd be like, go write love over your hips with a Sharpie or an eyeliner or a lip liner. Like you've got to start like agreeing with love over your body and never fails. Like I had this one client, she had um, like JLo hips and mm -hmm. it really depends on how you define it. So if you look at JLo hips, you could either decide I have too big of hips or you could go find pictures of women who have big hips and decide that that's a beautiful quality. Like you get to right. define if it's good or not. I, was flat. So, I mean, I'm still flat. I don't know why I say it past tense, but <laughs> so, so, so flat. And so I had to find pictures of flat women that I thought were attractive to help me change my definition of beauty. But, um, she went home and I was like, repent to your hips cause you've been mean to them and yeah. tell them that you love them and you're thankful for them. Just like you did. You've gotten me yeah. around. I really appreciate you. She did that. And within that week, she was at a party and this guy comes up to her and he's like I'm not hitting on you and I'm not actually trying to be weird I just have to tell you you have the most incredible hips <laughs> and for the the rest yeah. of that week like person after person came and was like I love your hips and this happens all the time I mean I have hundreds probably thousands of testimonies from wow. working through people this or um, speaking where they decide to love body parts and all of a sudden people are just drawn in to love that too because whatever truth I'm proclaiming I'm believing over myself people will end up they I do think people can hear the truth we're projecting about ourselves yeah so we can either agree with okay. lies and unlovableness or uh -huh. that's not also a word, but or we or we can agree with truth and love. And so I'm just like I'm a speaker and so I'm dyslexic and I often lose what I'm talking about or forget the words or mix up the words or mix up the verses or like I, I think it's so funny. This is, I know God has a sense of humor that he made me a speaker because he knew I am just the most unpolished at that. And he gets a kick out of it. Every time I'm up on stage and I like say something, then I have no idea what I'm saying. I've had, I literally probably almost every time I speak have to ask the audience, what am I talking about? Oh. And yeah, I think God just gets a kick out of it. He's like, I love using weak things, but, oh. um, but, and now I can't remember. Oh, okay. I, I almost did. <laughs> I almost showed you what it was like, but um, so I just decided I'm going to label this part of my personality with love. I'm going to decide it's lovable when I forget what I'm saying. I'm going to decide it's cute when I mix up my words. I'm going to decide that it's endearing when I have to ask the audience questions about what I'm talking about. I just like decided I'm mm -hmm. going to love all of this because that's like we have two options. We can love or or dislike and disliking ourselves is never a part of God's nature. He's right. never saying you should hate yourself. That's, it's in the Bible, love your neighbor as yourself. It's nine times a commandment from God to love yourself. So it's never an option. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to decide that people are going to think that I'm going to love this about me and I'm going to invite other people to love it about me. And it is the number one feedback I hear. 
oh my gosh, you're just so normal. You're so relatable. I love when you like stumble over your words. It makes me feel like I can do anything. It gives me so much hope for my life. You're so cute. I watch you make mistakes and I think you're adorable. And it makes me think I could be adorable when I make mistakes. I mean, it's like, but it's, I decided it was lovable and I just decided, yeah, you'll probably pick up on my love that I've already decided. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people speak back to us what we already think and believe about ourselves. Yes. That is a yeah. very I, way, clear way to say in one sentence what took me five minutes. <laughs> well, <laughs> you are no, a good, good articulator. Oh, uh, I'm just wrapping it up. I, I just, I just, uh, no, I, you did it. We'll edit this out, Adam. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have a good response <laughs> to that. You did. You, um, I thought it was a very good, very good comment you made. I don't even remember what I said. So anyone, <laughs> anyone listening has to hit that, you know, rewind 15 second thing. <laughs> totally. Yes. Well, it's so interesting, um, you know, what happens when we love ourselves and what happens when we hinder love over ourselves. And as you've been talking, I'm thinking, maybe I don't have a tattoo. Maybe that's what I need to do is tattoo. I love this body part. You know? <laughs> Like, I'm looking for that thing. I, I just haven't thought of something I want bad enough the rest of my life. Totally. You know? That is real. But, um, but yeah, I kind of had the opposite experience um, with, you know, like I had curves. And so my last name is Monaco. So I used to have people call me J-Mo instead of J-Lo. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, and I just and remember. And that probably wasn't uh, a positive thing because I'm, as a, yeah. as a tiny <laughs> not a stick who had no curves i'm like oh that sounds like the best <laughs> yeah you were called J-Mo? that's exciting <laughs> i know it it probably was in teasing and not fun huh well, I think um, I think part of it was just that's they just call me JMO just because of my last name being Monaco, and totally. and it wasn't probably about my hips, but I've never really. I've liked my booty. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, you know, it was always different than other people's, but yes. you know, I kind of didn't care. And so I wonder if that it just was naturally what was attracted, you know, in, in words um, from people. Um, but it's kind of funny. That is um, I like that you naturally always liked it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I knew that I was shaped different than the other girls, especially like in high school before people had developed. Uh And um, I knew I was different. And I was like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's just, and I remember, I remember somebody making a comment about my big butt and I'll never forget it. My mom looked at me and she said, your butt is beautiful. And she was so mad. (laughs) She was so mad that someone said that and so defended me. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And were you able to just be like, yeah, it is, and agree with it from that point on? I kind of was. Yeah. I don't, I never really thought about it. Like I worked out a lot and, um, you know, I had someone say, oh, if you keep working that out, it's just going to be round. I'm like, well, that's okay. Like I was in theater though. <laughs> like I was, you know, I sang and danced. And so I was often in a leotard and, you know, and so I guess it showed more often than maybe other people that just, you know, were in normal clothes. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then like, um, some men that um, were gay were just really encouraging. You know, they're just like, girl. <laughs> and so I was like, thanks. So in a very strange way, you know, I had men complimenting my butt that, you know, weren't interested in grabbing totally. it. 
That is, you know, it's really interesting how much, and this is what I love, is love really affects things. So when you hear people love and speak truth over things, you can actually grab a hold of it for yourself. Yeah. And it wasn't like meant to be in a sexual way. It was just affirming. And it felt safe because I knew they weren't attracted to me. And I, you know, sometimes I wonder if we don't, like we want to affirm each other for character and those sorts of things. But I think in today's world, there's something very important about, you know, saying things about physical beauty too, because it's a problem. Like I think as a church, we've shied away from complimenting the physical. and, And yet that's hurt us because it's still something God made. And and then we go into the self-hatred or we're not like everyone else because we don't know because no one's saying anything. Totally. It's so true. I have made it like a priority in my head. Anytime I see anything and I find lots of things beautiful. I don't find like whatever Hollywood has said is beautiful. Like I find people who put an outfit good together beautiful and people who have great hips. Like I think I can look at, I just like beauty. So I think I've defined it as a very broad thing. And my, I often stop people that I don't know just to tell them something that I think is beautiful about them. Cause it's, Mm. Um, I always say it takes a village to raise a woman's self-esteem. And, mm, that's a good phrase. And, and it's not just physical. It's, it is all of it. So like I try to tell people when I see them do something that is smart or when I see them be kind or when I, cause just speaking yeah. truth, just like the truth you heard over you helped you embrace your body. Like that's what we get to do for people. We get to speak truth over them. That's what my husband did for me. He spoke truth over me until yeah. I could agree with the truth for myself. Right. And that's like the gift of what we get to do in people's lives. We get to be truth buddies. Yeah. Because life and death are in the tongue. Yes. Right? Yes. The power of life and death. You know, as you're talking about this and you find lots of things beautiful, the real, the really the million dollar question for you is, were you really nominated for what not to wear a television <laughs> show? <laughs> like maybe, Abby, this is a blind spot for you. <laughs> oh, right. Because I find everything beautiful. Yes. Right. It's so true. Yeah. I was really nominated and... Uh, <laughs> I don't regret that. I was actually so thankful when they nominated me because I was like, I do need help. (laughs) To this day, I like asked my best friend, I'm like, can you just come put some outfits together for me uh, in my closet? And then I will just follow the rules. But um, I I will say I, I was much worse when I was younger and I wore things like my bathrobe as a jacket. And so I can understand why they nominated me. Yeah, I thought, this is warm. It's like wearing a blanket around you. That's the most practical idea ever. Um, Just It doesn't look as professional at your job to be wearing your bathrobe, in case some of you are curious. (laughs) Right. Been there, tried that. It's not the best idea. (laughs) Speaking of jobs, did you always think you were going to be a speaker? That is a very interesting question for two reasons. One, I remember when I was little, little, I would preach outside to like, I'd open up my window and I would talk to the birds and the bees. And I would like lead an orchestration of us all like loving God. And so in that way, always thought I would be a speaker. Um, I remember like writing sermons 
just when I was wow. spending time with God at like when I was in like seventh grade, <laughs> I was like, cool. I'm going to tell you all about the Lord, which I get a kick out of. And I also feel so thankful that the Lord didn't let me start preaching young. Like when I used yeah. to have a tormenting view of God, it's yeah. so nice yeah. that he didn't let me spread that. <laughs> Instead of the high heeled preacher, you would have definitely been the fire and brimstone totally. <laughs> preacher. I would have been, I would have been like, I'm miserable for Jesus. Come be miserable with me. <laughs> right. Um, I'll be the billboard child for that. But um, so then I went on this wild journey where he took me and like kind of undid. Krista Black wrote a blog that was incredible about becoming an atheist. Um, and I can't remember what she called it, but she's not actually an atheist. She was just talking about how she had to unbecome Christian and re-become and re-meet who God was. She had to like let mm. go of who she thought he was. And so when God was taking me through that process of letting go the things that weren't him, like he's always serious and grumpy and mean and mm -hmm. embracing who he is in that process, I really completely let go of the idea of ever being in ministry because I was like, I don't even know who God is. So I'm not going to try to tell people about him. And, um, and then also I met God. So I, you know, I'd known God my whole life, but I had a season in LA where I wasn't necessarily going to a specific church. I was being mentored by somebody in, in community, but we went to a bunch of different, we just, anywhere there's meetings about God, we went, but we weren't necessarily in one place. And I found God in that season of not necessarily being in church and so then I was like, oh, you're so much fun in the real world. And then I started encountering mm -hmm. him outside of the four walls of the church. And that was awesome. I was like, I never want to go back to church again. <laughs> God is so awesome in the real world. He shows up. And so yeah. I was so excited. And so um, it was a shocking surprise when then I um, ended up moving to Reading. I had a dream about working at the front desk at Bethel. And I thought it was just like an allegory dream, but it yeah. turned out it wasn't. I got a call like a couple, a little bit later. They asked me to turn in an application to work at the front desk. So it was literally a wow. very prophetic thing. And so I got a job at Bethel um, and still thought, I don't want to do anything in the church. I want to get out where God is. Huh. <laughs> I met him outside the church. That's where he is, people. Um, yeah. And so it was the kindness of God. He led me out of the church to meet him and then led me back into the church to realize he's also there. He's everywhere. Surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> Revelation. And so um, I ended up back in the church. And then, uh, like I said, a, a series of wild events where I never, I just never even tried to become a speaker. It just accidentally happened. I accidentally shared my story. I have a wild testimony. I have, um, I told a bunch of random pieces, but I have a very much more succinct, this is stories by stories of how I went on the journey of loving myself on my website. It's called Unconditional How to Let Love Win. But um, I just shared that story at a woman's night. And then women got so liberated from it that they said, can we do this again and bring all of our friends? And then that turned into the whole school. I, there's a school ministry here. They wanted me to do it for all the women. And that turned into them wanting me to do it for the women's conference. It just like snowballed out wow. um, accidentally. And so I think it, the kindness of God, he put it in my heart as a little kid, took me away from it. Um, 
which the beautiful thing is when you let go of a desire, when you get the desire, you're not enslaved to the desire. Yes. And so I'm actually thankful that I had a season to let go of it. Because when I came to Bethel, no part of me was striving to try to make something happen. There was no performance in ending up where I ended up. It was just the trust journey. And that is so much more liberating and empowering and fun. Because if you control your way to your destiny, you'll have to be in control the rest of your life to keep it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I think Bill Johnson has said something like that. I think if you strive to get to a certain place, you'll strive to keep stay there or something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, me and Bill, we say the same things all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he just copies you. He copies me. Yes, he does. I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah, I'm a pretty smart lady. Um, <laughs> well, I want to ask about one more thing. Yeah. And um, I know we've been on the the podcast a while, but it's kind of my podcast, so if you people don't want to listen, yeah. <laughs> like they can stop listening, but I hope <laughs> totally. they keep listening. Um, so we're both coaches um, yeah. and obviously passionate about teaching people how to love themselves and stop believing lies and um, just getting outside the church and being who God made them to be. So what do you find to be maybe the top one or two things that people come to you with that are struggling? Um, why do they come to you for coaching? Oh, that is a good question. It's like maybe you should be a coach. You're good at questions. <laughs> um, you know, I do have a lot of people. Probably the two things I work with is learning how to love yourself, learning how to have compassion, learning how to get out of shame, learning how to um, get rid of your high stakes view on life. Um, just because loving yourself impacts all of your relationships your filter on the story of your life. Like if you don't love yourself, sometimes you miss out on lots of ways that God is loving you and you're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't love yourself, oftentimes you're perceiving every interaction with people around you as negative towards you. And so, so I, I do do a lot around letting love in. Um, I do a lot with, with people who are struggling with not knowing what to do with, their emotions feeling like out of control, like anxiety or um, fear. But I think like the two things I would say I help people with the most is uh, the two things that help me the most is victim mentality. I didn't talk about that at all, but I had a life changing moment about victim mentality. Danny Silk came to my church when I lived in LA and said, if you struggle with chronic sickness, you probably have victim mentality which I mm. never heard that. That didn't even make sense to me. But he said, because you are used to feeling like other things get to, to run your life. Everything else is bigger than you. And I realized I felt powerless my whole life. And that taking ownership for my life, taking ownership for my beliefs, taking ownership for how I was affecting my own story, uh, probably, I mean, that was one of the most life-changing things. So when I help people... In, in consulting, what I do a lot of is I think two things that have to be married is taking ownership for your life, taking ownership for what you believe, for you having a voice, you being powerful, and then also learning how to receive compassion and kindness and love. And so the balance of truth and love to me is the whole thing. If you have truth without love, it can become 
rules or religion. And if you have love without truth, it can end up becoming like um, pity. Yeah. And so trying to find the, the marriage of you've got to have compassion on yourself for what you've been through, for the pain you've walked through. You've got to be able to feel your pain and grieve it and let it out and let love into those pockets. And then you have to pick up and change your mindset. It, it, we've talked about it all in this podcast, yeah. basically. Like yeah. half of it is letting love in and half of it is changing how you think. And so when if people um, are looking for resources, um, I know you have like, you know, some resources on your website, like yeah. messages they can buy or, um, you know, how do how can people get help in these areas? I mean, obviously, I coach and there's other people who do this sort of work. Yeah. Um, but what other things do you recommend? I have a list of books and a list of messages that aren't mine. I mean, I have mine are great. Go get mine. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, I have a list of books and resources because every I think you should be able to have as much breakthrough as you can on your own. And so mm-hmm. I have that on if you go to abbystumble.com at favorites page. It's all listed on my favorites. My husband has a podcast called The Liberation Project and it's phenomenal. It is all, it's him and his best friend who's a guy and it's for men, but I think 50% of their listeners are women because they're just talking about emotional health stuff and it just helps you think about, I find that when somebody's talking about something, it helps you think about things that you would never think about otherwise. And they're brilliant communicators. And so I love them as a resource. Um, um, I'm one of those 50% of women. I'm a secret fan of You are? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, aren't they the cutest? <laughs> yeah, they're really, really good. And to hear something from a man sometimes yes. as a woman, to know how they think and, I mean, great, it's great for men, but sometimes us women need to hear a man say it yes. and it just brings truth in a whole different perspective. Yes. I, yeah, I love it. It's brilliant to me. And then I have, I have people that I've trained that work for me that do coaches, you're a coach. I think getting in community, whatever you do with community, you get so much farther than when you do it on your own. Yeah. So if you find somebody like even just the intention of, if I go to somebody and I say, Hey, can you keep me accountable on learning how to love myself? And even if they don't know how to love themselves, but you are at least having the conversation consistently, it helps it be stirred up inside of you. Just having people who yeah. are partnering with you with the journey you're on is so beneficial. Yeah. And bringing anything into the light. Yes. Right? Like confess our sins to one another. And um, I think a lot of that isn't, it's not for shame. It's not for exposure, but it's for, it's for us to be able to receive love again and, and defeat the enemy's lies when we can say, oh, I know this isn't right that I'm thinking and anything kept in the secret just doesn't have an opportunity to get healed. Yes, totally. I, that's the number one. I can't even tell you how many people have secrets that they've never shared. And as long as whatever you haven't shared, you can't get healing for. Yeah. And it, it messes people up. I just want love into every pocket for people. And so secrets lock the door on love getting in. And so getting things into light, I'm just agreeing. I'm like a hundred percent with what you are saying. 
Yeah. Part um, of this podcast, I wanted to start exposing some of my secrets. Oh, my um, gosh. I, I love that. <laughs> it's scary, too. I remember yes. starting this and feeling like the Lord said, I want you to be more vulnerable than you're comfortable with. Ugh. And uh, and so with every friend I talk to, I tell a different story. Like I've yes. never, now it is publicly out there, you know, that I had to tell my body I love you. Yes. <laughs> you know? That is so, incredible. I feel so proud yeah. of you. Vulnerability opens oh, the door for breakthrough, I think. It does. And so. I would just like to say, I think I just love who you are. I love who you are as a host. You are smart. I can just tell uh-huh. you, you are quick. You hear things. You connect dots. You, I, as a coach, I am like, you're in the right spot as a coach because I can see you're mm-hmm. emotionally intelligent and you love Lord and you're spiritually intelligent. And those two things combined are beautiful. And you just have, I, you have great empathy. I can feel it through the airwaves mm-hmm. and you're powerful and I, I so enjoy you and you have a great sense of humor. I've just, I have loved being on this podcast. You're, you're fascinating. Mm. I think, Oh my gosh, you're the type of person I want to listen to your podcast because I like <laughs> hearing what you have to think about things. You Aww. have a lot to say. It makes me happy that you're doing a podcast because I actually think you have a lot to say. Abby, thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> you, you are, are so sweet. Um, you know what's really funny is that um, and the, when I was praying for this podcast and for you over the last few days, I actually had a thought that was not a prayer. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, I know Abby's prophetic. I would love just, you know, just to hear something that you think about me through her, you know? <laughs> and so I'm sitting here grinning and laughing because Aww. I'm like, yeah. I Thanks, Lord. That. Yes, you are. You are so in the right moment of your life, doing the right thing, and I love it because when you tell me stories of things you hear from him, I'm like, oh, you're really hearing him. Like, I love that he told you that he's more fun than you, and I love that he told you to be more vulnerable than is comfortable. I'm like, yes, that's that's what God sounds like. You're, yeah, you hear him very clearly, and you have a voice that needs to be heard. You have great things to add to the culture and there's so much life and joy and freedom in how you communicate. And I think that you are outside of the box in lots of ways that people can relate to and gives people permission to come outside of their boxes. Oh, well, I think you're a fellow outside of boxer. So <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, so I think that's why I connected with you when I was stalking you on social media. Yes. Um, so I'm so glad that I stalked you and that um, you were on this podcast Thank today. Thank you for stalking me. <laughs> and hopefully someday we'll get to meet in person. Yes, I would love that. That'd be so good. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up this podcast. Um, thanks again. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Jill Monaco Show. You can find more about Abby when you go to jillmonaco.com slash episode nine. Just click on the show notes to find all the links I mentioned today. While you're there, leave me a comment and let me know your thoughts on the podcast. And so you don't miss an episode of The Jill Monaco Show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the social media. Just search for at Jill Monaco. And if you were inspired, encouraged, or challenged by Abby, please share this podcast with your friends on social media and tag me with at Jill Monaco so I can continue the conversation with you there. 
Well, thanks for tuning in today, my friends. And remember, love well. You are made for it. Oh, 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 oh,